0: There are so many ways you can support HUG. All you have to do is visit our website, Globe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support.
1: Things like hockey, lacrosse, football, you name it, that was contact, I couldn't do it. So that kind of really sucked.
0: How does having obstacles to playing sports affect a boy's feelings of self-worth when growing up? In what ways can a young man feed his desire for sports and athletics, even if his body isn't able to do what his mind wishes he could do? How can an adult heart warrior enjoy a passion for sports when he only has half a heart? Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna. I am Anna Jaworski. I am a heart mom and the host of your program. Today's show is enjoying sports while living with congenital heart defects, and our guest is Michael Hills. Michael Hills was born in February of 1998 in Ontario, Canada. He was diagnosed with hypoplastic left heart syndrome when he was five and a half months old. He has had three surgeries, a Norwood at nearly six months, a Glenn at nine months of age, and a Fontan at two years and four months of age. Ever since the last surgery, he has enjoyed good health. Michael has a passion for sports and played on several sports teams during his school days. Since leaving school, he has studied sports management and sport and event marketing and currently works for a variety of sports clubs and teams. He also enjoys traveling to different countries. Michael wants to share his story about how sports allowed him to live a life with joy and a sense of normalcy, and to show a healthy, active life with complex CHD as possible. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Michael.
1: Thanks for having me on.
0: I am so excited to have you on to talk about this topic because just recently we put the spotlight on a show that was from, oh my goodness, season 10 of Heart to Heart with Anna on physical education and heart warriors. And I just spoke with a mother who told me that she listened in earnest to that program because she has a five-year-old with Tetralogy of Fallot, and she wanted to hear what another Heart Warrior's experience was. So I know she's going to want to listen to this show as well, Michael, and it would help if you would start by telling us about your congenital heart defect and your first open heart surgery.
1: Yeah, for sure. I have hypoplastic left heart syndrome, as you mentioned in the intro, Anna. So basically, what that means is the left side of my heart didn't develop properly. Um, So I was diagnosed at five and a half months old, and that's very late to be diagnosed as a baby for having HLHS. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is because I had PDA, which is patent ductus arteriosus. Mm -hmm. So that was the reason I was diagnosed so late, and. Because of that, I had my first surgery just shortly after being diagnosed at nearly six months old. Um, I don't remember my first surgeries or the other two surgeries at all. I'm very grateful I don't. Mm -hmm. Um, My parents remember all of it though. Sure. And I went into cardiac arrest once before my first surgery and twice after my first surgery. So for a total of three times, I went into cardiac arrest.
0: Oh my goodness, your poor parents. That's really a traumatic thing to know that your baby's heart stopped beating. So I assume you were in the hospital all three times? Yes. So the good thing is that there were professionals there right away who could help you, obviously, because it looks like you have just rebounded beautifully from having undergone those traumatic events.
1: Yeah, I have. So the first one happened like the night before my first surgery, and then the other two happened after the surgery I don't exactly know how long after but I know that for my parents what they've told me it happened after the surgeries and those were the only times I went into cardiac arrest thankfully because mm-hmm. um, after my first surgery I had my second one you know, nine months and then my third one and final one was at two years so that was the last time I went to cardiac arrest and yeah I've been good ever since
0: Right. Well, you did have kind of a bumpy beginning, Michael. Did you have to have physical therapy as a as an infant?
1: I did. So I went into the hospital. First, we started going into the hospital to have PT. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes we would have nurses or doctors like or whatever come in to our house. So first we worked on like my balance and core strength. And then later on we worked on developing my fine motor skills. Mm-hmm. I don't really know how long I had PT, but I do know that I had it.
0: So it's not something you really remember. No, no. That's amazing. Where do you think your passion for sports came from?
1: Passion for sports definitely came from my friends and family for sure. At a young age, like when I was in elementary school, I would always be playing sports at recess time and all that. And I fell in love with it. And then I joined a baseball league. I will talk more about later. But I joined a baseball league with some of my friends and I fell in love with it. And then just with my family, we were, we're always like into sports and watching like big events, World Cup of Soccer, the Olympics, everything. So we're big sports fans, my family. So mm-hmm. my love of sports definitely came from them.
0: That's awesome. Now, what did your cardiologist tell your parents regarding possible restrictions with sports when you were little?
1: So, in terms of sports. And having restrictions the cardiologist told my parents that any contact sport was out of the question mm. so things like hockey lacrosse football you name it that was contact i couldn't do it so that kind of really sucked but i was still able to play other sports that were non-contact when i was a kid so i did swimming i tried soccer for a little bit but got tired of it because soccer you have to be running like constantly yeah and i got tired pretty easily Mm -hmm. so soccer didn't really work out I started playing baseball when I was seven and ended up playing until I was 19 so and I also skated as well so I did have other sports I can play but just non-contact ones
0: what position did you play in baseball
1: so baseball I was primarily like infield and then I also was a pitcher as well
0: really what was your favorite pitch
1: the usual four-seam fastball or two-seamer
0: okay okay and then you said you skated yes what kind of skating did you do
1: so i first started to learn how to skate when i was four and then i started doing figure skating after that and i did that for 14 years so i stopped skating and having lessons when i was 18 but i still skate recreationally in the winter time here
0: well and that's a nice thing about being in canada Lots of opportunities to do skating, right?
1: Yep. There's no shortage of rinks here.
0: (laughs) So your parents were told you weren't allowed to have any contact sports. I just can't picture you being in Canada and not playing hockey at all. Did you do some recreational hockey or something with your friends and just kind of keep it calm without killing each other? Like it looks like people in hockey do.
1: Yeah. So I still was able to do that. So growing up, I mean, we'd be playing road hockey on the street, it was like just in the driveway and we'd be playing games with our neighbors. So I was still able to do that and it was awesome. And then in terms of with friends, we do go on an ice and we, you know, we'll play hockey, but all my friends, they know about my condition, so we chill out. We
2: mm-hmm. don't
1: like go hard or anything. So we basically played non-contact hockey essentially. So I was still able to do that. So I still got the experience. Uh, playing hockey, living in Canada, but I didn't get that full experience.
0: Home tonight forever by the Baby Blue Sound Collective. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The opinions expressed in the podcast are not those of Hearts Unite the Globe, but of the hosts and guests, and are intended to spark discussion about issues pertaining to congenital heart disease or bereavement.
2: You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna.
0: Michael, before the break, we were hearing how you weren't being prepared to professionally play in sports. You still got in some hockey, and I'm glad you told me that because I have so many Canadian friends and friends who live in colder places where skating is popular and hockey is gosh it's just such a big part of people's lives and they're crushed when they're told that their little boys or their little girls aren't allowed to play hockey so there is a way to kind of work around it and that just makes me so happy
1: it makes me happy that I'm still able to play in some capacity
0: Right. I mean, even if you're not going to be the next Wayne Gretzky and let's face it, even people with a whole heart don't have many opportunities (laughs) to be Wayne Gretzky, right? There's only one great Wayne Gretzky and just the fact that you got to enjoy the sport and experience the sport and people understood that we can play hockey without beating up on each other and just enjoy the sport for the sport's sake. I think that's really encouraging. And other parents This is not professional advice. This is just one mom talking to one heart warrior. So please don't go tell your cardiologist that Anna said, (laughs) but I do think it's good that Michael has been able to share his experience. He was born with half a heart. He has played hockey and look at him now. Tell us how old you are, Michael.
1: I'm 23.
0: 23 years old, survived playing hockey, what you called road hockey. I never heard that expression before. That's so cute. Road hockey with his friends and loves the sport even more. So in this segment, let's learn more about the importance of sports in your life as you were growing up. Let's start by telling us what other sports you participated in as a young child. You mentioned baseball, but what other sports did you do?
1: Yeah. So really the main one was baseball. Just because mm-hmm. I was able to play it every single summer for such a long time. Right. And then also doing skating as well during the winter time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that kept me busy in the summer and then also in the winter. Mm-hmm. So those were kind of like the main sports that I played growing up. And then as I got older, when I was in high school, I found the sport of curling and fell in love with that. So I've been curling now for, I guess, seven ish years basically since I was in grade nine. So quite a while now.
0: Yes. Okay. I'm in Texas. We don't have curling clubs down here, but because I'm friends with you, you have actually taught me some things about curling. Can you teach some of my listeners, some of the basics about curling and why it would be a sport that you were attracted to?
1: Yeah, for sure. So from a young age, I don't know why, but I would always be glued to our television, watching curling on TV. I don't know why, but my parents would always tell me like if there was curling on TV, I'd be watching it. I don't really remember that, but I guess that's what I did when I was a kid. (laughs) Like I said, and when I got into grade nine, my high school had a curling team. So I went out, I tried it. I was like, okay, let's see how it is. And then if I like it, I'll keep doing it. And turns out I loved it. So I kept doing it. Um, By the time I was in grade 11, I was on my school's competitive curling team and we went to OFSA, which is like the equivalent of a state championship in the United States. So OFSA is the Ontario Provincial Championship. And I was fortunate enough to go to OFSA twice in grade 11 and 12. And just a little backstory on curling, it's played on ice, but it's played on a different kind of ice than hockey. Mm -hmm. The ice is actually pebbled. And what that means is there's little... Tiny little beads of water on the top of the ice, and that makes the rocks curl. And the rocks are made out of granite. They're about 42 and a half pounds, and there's four players on each team. When one player is throwing the rock, the other two people are sweeping. There's another player who's on the other end of the ice, and he's the captain of the team, and he's basically instructing where he wants the rocks to be thrown. And you push off and you're pushing off the hack. So the hack is the same thing as you would see like in a track and field event. Mm. And the hack is in the ice and you get down and you just push off.
0: And you're wearing skates like you do when you're doing figure skating.
1: They're basically like running shoes, but one side of the shoe, like the shoe that you would be sliding on the ice with, they have this texture called Teflon on the bottom. And that just makes you slide. So you're wearing shoes, not skates.
0: Really? Okay. Does that make it a little bit better so that you won't fall? Because you said it's pebbled, and I guess with skates, it wouldn't do well through the the pebbly surface.
1: No, skates wouldn't work.
0: Okay, okay. So these running shoes help you to be able to do that better. And the purpose with the curling?
1: So there's these painted rings, and it's called a house on either side of the ice, and you're trying to get the rocks into the painted rings, and whoever gets more rocks in there or whoever gets one closest to the center ring will end up winning a point.
0: And is this a situation where there's a time limit or while you're doing it is the other team doing their
1: rock no. Oh, I was just so, rock.
0: okay. So
1: Yeah, so what happens is let's say I'm about to throw a rock, the other team is standing off to the side watching me throw and then once I'm done then they go and get ready to throw theirs. There's eight rocks per team. And there's four players and each player throws two rocks. So let's say I'm on a team with three other people. I'm going to throw the first two rocks. The next person on my team throws the next two and then on so on and so on. And then Uh, so I would throw one rock and then the first player on the other team would throw one rock from their set of rocks and then we would just keep going back and forth.
0: Okay. This sounds very physical because you said that that rock weighs over 40 pounds.
1: Yeah. So pushing the rock isn't the most physical part. It's more so the sweeping of the rock that can get pretty tiring, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's a great workout. I did it for four years in high school and it's a great workout, but yeah. it does get tiring. And that was one thing that I was kind of worried about when I started, I was just kind of like, okay, like how, how's my heart going to handle it? And But once I got used to doing it a bunch of times, my heart got stronger, obviously. And I was still skating in high school. Mm -hmm. So I would be curling after school. And then after curling, I would go right to the skating rink. So I would get a good workout those days.
0: Now, in the 80s, a lot of the doctors were afraid that kids with half a heart like you or like my son, that they shouldn't exercise. And then they started changing their tune and they decided, no, wait a minute. These kids do need exercise to make their hearts healthier. How has your cardiologist responded to some of the physical activity that you've wanted to do?
1: So he thinks it's great. I mean, he knows that I played a whole bunch of sports growing up, so he's really supportive of it. And he basically just encourages me to exercise as much as possible to keep my heart healthy and strong. So yeah, that's what I do. I just try and find little times during the day. Like I'm not playing any sports anymore just because I'm in college now. I don't really have time, but even just going for a walk is really good.
0: Have you had to do an endurance test yet? A stress test?
1: I think the last one that I had was a few years ago prior to Uh COVID-19 taking effect. And every time that I've done them, they've been really good.
0: Well, that just shows that what you've been doing has definitely been working for you. Now I know that some kids with HLHS, well, any kids, I guess you would say, have trouble with the cold. And I know that with Alex, when he would get in the water, because his brother was a swimmer, so he had to try to be a swimmer too, his lips would turn blue and, and the tip of his nose and his fingertips would turn blue from the cold and he would start shivering and that would increase his cardiac output. And we had to take him out of the water and warm him up because he was shivering so much, he couldn't swim well to being in the cold for you, whether you were on the ice or whether you were curling, did that affect you at all? As far as your heart?
1: Not really. I mean, the ranks are cold, but if I'm outside when it's like minus 20, then yeah, the cold does affect me. And I, I do shiver sometimes, but if I just put on layers and layers, which you have to do here in Canada, mm-hmm. then it's not too bad.
0: Mm-hmm. So, that wasn't much of an issue for you when you were little and you were doing sports? No. Did you ever have problems swimming and the cold I affecting did. you? Mm-hmm.
1: Not with the cold affecting me, but just in terms of swimming in, in general.
0: Mm. So, like
1: doing, because like, I didn't really have the upper body strength to do much of anything, mm. um, but I can tread water and I can swim. I'm just not very strong at swimming
0: but at least it was something that you were able to do. Was there ever a sport that you really wanted to play as a youngster that you couldn't play for some reason?
1: It was hockey for sure.
0: Mm.
1: It was 100% hockey. Um, Like growing up, as mentioned, like growing up here in Canada, hockey is like sacred. Mm -hmm. And so not being able to play every winter in an organization Mm -hmm. really sucked because all my friends in elementary school and pretty much all my friends and Most of my cousins, they all played hockey and they loved it. So not being able to have that experience and play with them was really disappointing.
2: Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect, or CHD, community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more.
0: Michael, when we ended, you were saying that it was disappointing for you not to be able to play hockey, even though we know you played road hockey and you did get a chance to get a taste of it. I know that now sports is a big part of your life. And from the bio at the top of the show, we learned that you're studying sports in college. So what influenced your decision to study management and event marketing specifically?
1: Growing up, I've always been into sports and just be going to like sports games, many times growing up, just seeing the passion for employees and sports brings people together. Mm-hmm. So I want to be involved in that, like as a career, cause it's amazing. And so my sport management program that I had, it was awesome. I loved it, and I currently work with the Toronto Blue Jays selling 50-50 tickets for their Charitable Arm, Jays Care Foundation, and I absolutely love it. And so studying sport and event marketing now is just really emphasizing the fact on like being in sport marketing and events as well, because I love sport and I do enjoy the marketing side of things. So, yeah, just my passion for sports is the reason I chose to go in this field as a career.
0: It sounds like a perfect fit for you.
1: It really is.
0: What role do you expect sports to play in your adulthood?
1: Sports is going to be my career. I'm very hopeful about that. And, you know, the sports that I played growing up, I can join a league and play them again. Like, so, for example, baseball, there's a whole bunch of baseball leagues that are for, like, older people. Like, so, like, there's a men's baseball league everywhere, pretty much, so I can play that again there's curling leagues everywhere. I can pick that up again. And then skating, same thing. I can pick it up again. So I think sports in my adulthood is going to be really important just to keep me involved and then also keep my heart healthy and strong.
0: Mm -hmm. So you said you could play baseball or you could play curling. Would that be with the organization you work with? Would they have something? Because I know that my husband's hospital, they have a corporate challenge and they encourage their employees to take part in the corporate challenge. Or do you mean like a city league, a a civic group?
1: It would be with a city league, like a specific group.
0: Okay. Okay. That sounds really interesting. And it's awesome that you have so many opportunities there. It sounds to me like the only reason why you're not doing that right now is because you're working and you're in school. Yep. Basically. So once you're not in school anymore, that is going to open up your schedule so that you can go back and play the sports that you enjoy so much. Exactly. Okay, great. What advice do you have for heart warriors when it comes to having a passion for sports if they simply can't play because their hearts won't let them?
1: So just my advice for anyone out there listening, if you love sports, then you should do what you love. So I know here in Canada and in Toronto where I am, There's community centers and they have drop-in leagues. So I don't know if you guys have that down in the U.S. there. But what that is, is you can go into a community center and play a sport. Let's say it's soccer or basketball. And it's a drop-in league. So you can go once. If you like it, then you can go back. If you don't, then you don't have to go back. So my advice is just try and find a community center or somewhere that has that type of thing and get involved that way, or even just get involved in organizing a league. Like you don't have to be playing sports to be involved necessarily. Just get involved any way you can really. I'm so
0: glad you said that because I was such a klutz when I was younger that my poor dad, my dad coached all different sports and my sister was a natural athlete, but I was not. And I couldn't play sports very well and I didn't have any heart problems Michael (laughs) so I had no excuse that way but I was a uniform manager and I was a scorekeeper and I helped out behind the scenes. so I still got to go to all the softball games that my sister was in and Mm -hmm. basketball games but I was a record keeper I was the statistician and I think people need to look at sports that way um, if you can't, if you physically can't, or you're really klutzy like I was, that doesn't mean you can't be involved in sports at all. You just need to be creative with the way that you're in sports. Exactly.
1: There's a whole other side to sports that some people don't really know about, or they don't pay that much attention to. So if you can get involved in organizing a sport, then you're golden right there, because it's just about to, like, it's basically all about to have fun. Like, that's what okay. it's all about. So
0: Tell me what you mean by that. What do you mean by organizing a sport? Say we have a 12 year old who yep. has HLHS and maybe he also, he or she also has asthma. And so they're not going to be able to run back and forth on the field. They're not going to be able to uh, have the endurance to play a sport with their other 12 year old peers. What can they do, Michael?
1: So they can probably just talk to the coaches and try and organize, help the coaches or anyone else, uh, like the leaders in the sport. They can help them organize a practice, let's say. Like, let's say the sport is baseball. Okay. Then this child could help organize a practice. He can maybe even help bring the equipment over. He can be a bat boy or bat girl for the team because that's a lot of fun for kids just to be involved in that type of way. And I think for a kid who has... HLHS, if they're involved, even just being a bat boy or bat girl or ball boy or ball girl, then they're still within that team and they're in a team environment. And I think that'll bring them a whole lot of joy.
0: So what exactly has being involved in sports, what has that done for your self-confidence as an adult?
1: It's been huge. I mean, it makes me feel normal in a sense. Like, yes, I have this very rare condition but i'm still able to play a whole bunch of sports and act like a normal kid and normal adult um, so it just brings that sense of joy and normalcy to my life that knowing that yeah i have this thing but i can still do pretty much anything else that any other kid can do so it's been really helpful i'm very grateful that i'm still able to play sports
0: I know that I've had some heart warriors say to me that they felt less than their peers because they weren't able to be on the sports field with their peers. What do you have to say to them about bolstering their sense of self-worth? Because you seem so confident, Michael, and you seem so happy with who you are, even though you couldn't play hockey with your peers the way you wanted to.
1: All my friends, they know about my heart condition. So I think that just kind of helps me feel a little bit at ease in a sense, because if they didn't know about it, then they would probably be like, oh, why aren't you playing hockey or why aren't you doing this or that? So I think it's just more of a comfort level for someone personally. If they want to tell people why they can't, then that's okay. But I think for those people who are kind of feeling down on themselves that you know they can't play a certain sport, then I mean, it's okay not to play, but it's a lot more fun to play. And even if you just go out and try it, then that's all that matters if you're having fun then that's all that matters really
0: do you think that playing road hockey helped you to overcome maybe some of your disappointment that you couldn't play hockey in an organization
1: Yeah I'd be playing it with my friends after school pretty much every day and there would be some of my other friends who didn't play hockey on the ice as well so it kind of made me feel like okay this is okay they haven't played hockey on the ice and Neither have I. So let's just go have fun.
0: I love that. So where there's a will, there's a way. Exactly. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on the program today and sharing your experiences with me, Michael.
1: Thanks for having me on.
0: This was a lot of fun. I learned a lot about curling through Michael. There are some great videos on YouTube. In fact, in his show notes, I'm going to include a couple of the links that Michael shared with me because it really taught me a lot about curling. But that does conclude this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Thanks for listening today. Please come back next week on Tuesday at noon Eastern time or really anytime because it's a podcast. But on Tuesdays is when we put out a new podcast. You can always visit us at our website, heartunitetheglobe.org. And remember, my friends, you are not alone.